Hey everyone, it's been a while since I've done one of these, but here we are with another episode of Dear FBI Agent. This episode is fun. It's a little different than normal, uh, maybe for the better. The whole episode is us just talking with our guest and we were very happy and excited to see him and it was a great experience and we hope you guys just enjoy the conversation. That's all we got. We really got to Enjoy these next couple episodes because there might not be too many more. We'll address that a little later. But anyway, music, take it away. JP, how we doing? Uh, yeah, I'm good. What's poppin'? What is poppin'? We haven't seen you in so long. It's a pleasure to have you on, dear FBI agent. And let's begin, my guy. When did you first meet us? And what were your first thoughts and reactions? To <laughs> <this>? <laughs> All right, so I met both of you guys in band. Louis, I think you were in symphonic band with me, or yeah. symphonic winds. I feel like you're still kind of the same, honestly. <laughs> um, I don't think you've changed much. You still have like lots of similar characteristics. I always used to like mess with you, pretending I was like conservative and stuff. Lou, you don't um, support Donald Trump, and then you would get super flustered. And it was really funny. You don't support the wage gap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's how I met you, and then I think I knew Jonah more through marching band. Did you have that percussion class? Yeah. Because I remember there was like a percussion class and there was like another one. That was the year when they split us up where like the good people were with uh, fourth period and then the yeah. regular percussion class was sixth period. So were you in the regular percussion class? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Year. Then I, I probably met you through marching band then. Oh, and then you played bass for take one also. Right. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's probably how I knew you most then. I remember like you were just like this little kid. Like, you are actually short, dude. I, I remember I was, that. I was quite small. Yeah, you're fr freshman year, you're like this tiny little kid. I guess I kind of saw you, like, when I came back to visit and stuff. Mm -hmm. But, like, even in your freshman year, I think you hit, like, a huge growth spurt. So, <laughs> jo Jonah got chonky, bro. <laughs> he got those gains. Oh, yeah. He, he became a sexy beast, if you will. Yeah. And yeah. it was also cool seeing you... Um, in take one um on a musical level um you came in i mean you were able to play the bass and stuff i don't know how hard you worked or how how hard it was i remember you like you learned the whole entire solo and stuff and that stuff that um whatever the bassist name plays he's pretty nuts uh, heinrich linder i believe is his name. yeah he, so he plays some good bass yeah i remember but you really improved on on the bass at least like within that first year on take one and then now you're doing music, aren't you? Yeah, music composition. Cool. You had uh, the luxury of having your high school experience, the vast majority of it, during the Obama administration. Yeah, I actually do remember uh, seeing Trump get elected overnight when we were at a vocal jazz rehearsal. Right. So that was like, shit. I remember it. We were all in the, like, the main choir room. 
I kept checking my phone for like all the electoral college votes. And obviously, I originally started as Hillary, but then it swung towards Trump towards the end of the night. So you all found out together? Well, it was kind of like ongoing throughout the night. It wasn't like the recent election where it took them like fucking, what, three or four extra days after election day. Um, we basically found out like the the night of or the day after that Trump was president. Um, back then, um, I don't think I was actually that politically involved. Like, obviously, I thought Trump was a moron and stuff, but um, I wasn't really personally invested into politics that much at the time. But I remember like people like the next day when everyone came back to school. I remember Mr. Melman, for example, um, before we started class and stuff, he um, let people know. Um, that he was like available to talk and stuff because obviously our school is like super diverse um, especially racially uh, and culturally Um, and then the big thing with Trump was that he wasn't welcoming towards other kinds of people that weren't just your typical white person so uh, (laughs) yeah I kind of remember that and there were other things too Um, there are like safe spaces for people to talk Um, and supposedly about that there was pushback from the administration about that actually i don't know if you guys were aware of that i don't recall all the details i just remember miss um, benjamin she wanted to create a safe space for people just to like talk but according to what i heard from other students younger than me was that like i said the administration didn't even want that to happen i, just, I don't remember that that's, that's some tea hmm. because i know our school was you know, you said diverse in a lot of ways. And what we thought was not as diverse was the political ideology. Because remember, we had like a school vote for Pritzker where he won like 80% of the school vote. Our school isn't as politically diverse or uh, politically unanimous as we thought. I kind of agree with Jonah and the fact that like people with more conservative views tended to speak out more, especially after the Trump administration came into effect. So for those who do know, and for those who don't, because JP it was a senior when Louie and I were freshmen, and I'm assuming that a, a large demographic of this audience is younger than us, so they might not have ever met JP or only saw him as a friendly face when he came back during vocal jazz rehearsals or band concerts and whatnot. So for those who don't know, or do know in the vocal jazz community, JP went to college at Kalamazoo, uh, Western Michigan University, which is where the vocal jazz goes sometimes to perform at their concert. Louis couldn't go this year because of quarantine. So, so sorry. Come on. (laughs) But do you want to talk about JP, your legacy through their vocal jazz program and your experience throughout your years and where you're looking to go from there? Okay. Yeah. So basically I meant to do vocal jazz my freshman year, but uh, I missed auditions and I didn't bother to send an email asking if I can do a late audition. Supposedly lots of people ended up doing that throughout the years. So I basically missed out on my first year. My sophomore year, I auditioned, I got into Soundcheck, which was the mixed voice ensemble. The following year I was in Soundcheck again and I made it to District 2 for vocal jazz. And then I made it to the All-State Choir for Uh, chorus. So then my final year as a senior, I went to District 1 for vocal jazz and uh, All-State Chorus again for chorus. That senior year, I was in Take 1, and that was the first year we had Miss Sarah Zagree joining the program. With her, that kind of connects with a legacy to the Gold Company program 
here at Western. Actually, all the directors at Niles North were alums of the Gold Company program in some way. And here I am now. Um, I'm a senior. I spent two years in Gold Company too, directed by John Pru. Um, and then last year was my first year in Gold Company. And then this year is my last year in Gold Company because I do my internship next fall. What's the internship for? I'm studying music education. I'm kind of waiting on the results to hear what I'm going to be teaching, what kind of age group. It can be general music. It could end up being um, specifically choir. I'm not sure if I'm limited to um, instrumental or not. Hopefully I have enough experience being in band if they put me in that kind of position. Do you plan on taking your talents and back to Niles North to teach and take over the choral program and become <laughs> the one and only JP D-Zone director of choirs at Niles North High School? Unfortunately for me, uh, they're currently looking for the uh, next director already. And honestly, those are huge shoes to fill. And I obviously talked to Mr. Gregorman about it in the past, and it was kind of more like in a joking way. But in re reality, I won't be taking his spot, at least in the near future. I would like to, but I need way more experience first. And once I graduate, and if I stay going along this music education path, I'm honestly going to just grab the best job that appears to me as soon as I can. But who knows, down the road, I would like to move back to the North Shore area in Illinois. They pay extremely well. It's close to home. And the food around Skokie does not suck like it does here in Kalamazoo. Does it suck there? Yeah, it's terrible. Damn. <laughs> I'm looking to do a vocal jazz degree. This is years down the road. I have no idea when this is going to be. So either I'm going to come back here to Western Michigan, um, or I'm going to go to those other schools that are led by Western alums. Two of them, actually, I'm considering. University of North Texas, um, they have the oldest jazz studies program there. They're like yeah. the first one ever. Um, and then on the West Coast, there's Cal State Long Beach. And then another school I'm considering is University of Northern Colorado. But that's years from now. We'll see where my career path takes me, especially after I finish my internship. And you're going places, kid. You're going places. Before I move on to this next topic, I just want to drop this last vocal jazz uh, droplet, if you will. And we don't have to discuss this because this is not a discussable topic. But I just wanted to share with you that the JP shot for Garbage Pong has lived on strong and is a legacy and will continue to go through the program. I win. So onward. This is more of a newer question we've started asking um, our guests on this podcast. If people know you for your legacy in the program and you have a very specific spot at North and in people's minds, is there something that you would like to be known for outside of what you already are or something that you are pretty affluent in that you would like more people to know about? I basically did everything, the whole entire music department. I was in marching band, wind ensemble. I did like orchestra and stuff as well as jazz band. I feel like I was pretty known both in the choir room as well as the orchestra room and the band room. Um, but other than that, I don't think there's anything else I was really known <laughs> for. Was there? Theater, you did some producers. How about that? Oh, yeah. I did, did? Uh, one musical my senior year. Roll call. Yeah, I actually had the most um, supporting roles. And I had a bunch of them, actually. I, I remember I counted. I had the most. I had like a bunch of costume changes, too. So that was pretty cool. 
What was your favorite supporting role that you had in the producers? I was like a like a builder or something. I like these denim overalls and a hard hat and a hammer. Oh, <laughs> that just took me back. I was trying to remember you. Oh my god, yeah, I totally agree. That fit was fun. Oh my god, I couldn't stop smiling. I remember. No. Definitely the builder. Oh yeah. And the uh, grannies were pretty cool because the guys got to wear skirts. Hell yeah. Those were pretty fun. That was fun to watch. That was a it good was. show. That was a good show. JP, a couple weeks ago was 2020, and it is now 2021. It's last week. You asked me to take a political ideology test that would Ooh. track where I was on the political spectrum. Do you remember this? Yeah, I do. Yes. And then my results came back as, okay, McCarthy, if you're alive, don't, don't come for me now. But my results came back as a classical Marxist. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> so where are you on the political spectrum? And how do you see your present worldview fitting into American politics right now, specifically going into the next presidential administration? Okay, so basically, I took the same test as you. It said, like, my closest match was progressivism, and then my next matches were libertarian socialism and social democracy. Um, personally, I expected to be, I guess, further to the left. I'm definitely anti-capitalist, and I do support communism. Like you said, uh, McCarthy, don't come for me. <laughs> Funny enough, growing up, I was raised pretty conservative, and I would say... Honestly, within the past few years, I would consider myself a leftist now. But before, I would consider myself a like centrist in like high school and like actually conservative in middle school. But just seeing the way that things played out in the world, especially throughout the Trump administration, how things were getting like um, pointed out more, certain things like p police brutality, for example. Like one topic right now is the wealth gap between like the standard American population and um, billionaires such as like Jeff Bezos. Also right now I currently work at Walmart in the middle of like a small town basically. And lots of the workers there are either like high school students struggling to get by or like middle-aged people just trying to survive as well. Honestly, they're doing more work than, the, than they should have to. I feel like I was radicalized more towards the left based on my life experiences. And then bringing it back to when you were talking about the current presidency, there's this common misconception in American politics where Republicans are the bad guys and the Democrats are the good guys, but unfortunately that's very much not true. Biden has supported pro-segregation policies in the past, pro-war policies, which I'm obviously against. So honestly, Biden is a centrist, if not right of center. Coming up to the election, people were talking about how his, the election was going to be picking the lesser of two evils, which it very much was. But something that I kind of would like to leave off with is the idea of liberal complacency, in which people think that, oh, Trump's going to be out of office soon, or Biden won the election, we can go back to normal. But unfortunately, what normal is for lots of people isn't sustainable for a bunch of like minority groups either. I think when the next four years, America's going to be tested Obviously, you're still going to have conservatives going against any progress, but then you're going to have Biden supporters who are more in the middle, 
also stopping progress. And it's more of a matter of having people from more to the left win the centrists over, I guess. So yeah, that's kind of how I see the next four years with a new presidency. I get you. JP. What's up? Who is your favorite Niles North teacher and why? I don't really have any favorites, but I would name three easily off the top of my head. First one, Mr. Melman, chill dude, really kept me involved with band and gave me like a bunch of opportunities to uh, learn different instruments and uh, have different leadership roles. Similar with Mr. Gregorman as well. Not only that, he was one of the main reasons why I'm where I am now. He definitely knows what he's doing. Like I know when he would teach music, at least in vocal jazz, um, he would have like this kind of like pyramid where he talks about like the foundations of the music that we're doing. And then once it starts to get musical, he starts talking about style and stuff. And I think that's something that people in the program often take for granted, the amount of stuff that he knows. I'm definitely thankful for that. And then the third teacher would be Mr. Bennett. So I took U.S. Honors History with him. Probably the most work-intensive class I've ever taken. But I definitely did learn a lot with him. There was lots of games involved with the learning process. So big props to him for being able to get his students, I guess, involved and enthusiastic about learning such a large amount of information. Do you believe in life outside of Earth, do you think we are the only beings in existence? Personally, I would like to think that there is life outside of Earth. And given the size of the universe, that should most likely be possible. We really haven't seen any evidence of that, despite how big the universe is. Maybe the government's holding on to some evidence that they just won't tell us, because I feel like we, we're, we're getting stuff, but we just don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised about that. I mean, we know the government hides plenty of things from us all the time, but not to go too far down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I would think that there's life outside of Earth, but I would think that the universe might be too big that that's just why we haven't seen anything or came into contact with any kind of, I guess, life that we could understand. And that's specifically talking about intelligent life. Like, I know we're doing missions on Mars right now, we found water there. I believe we found water on the moon. And then I know Europa, one of Jupiter's moons, I believe they sent drones or probes, whatever, to Europa. Um, underneath the surface, there's supposedly liquid water. And to our understanding, water is essential to life. I'm not going to be too surprised if there's like microorganisms just within our solar system. Like I said, if we're talking about intelligent life, um, who knows? When you say intelligent life, and this is just because I don't know much about the subject, is there like unintelligent life? Like, but what is the other life? Well, if you're talking more about bacteria or whatever, you know what I'm saying? What do you think happens after we're no longer on this earth? What happens? We die. <laughs> He's not wrong. I don't believe in an afterlife. Personally, myself, I have lots of issues with like death anxiety, I guess. Because personally, I don't, like I said, I don't believe in afterlife. There you go, Louie. So, Sorry. yeah, basically we die. And then funny thing is we don't know we're, that we're dead because we don't have a consciousness anymore. And the way that I kind of think about things, I guess it's kind of like a nihilistic way to think. We live our lives kind of super self-centered. We're living our own lives. But in the grand scheme of things, like all of us, we're not really that important. Like one life really is not that important. 
I don't know if you agree or disagree with that, but if you're looking on the grand scheme of things in the world and the whole entire history of the world, chances are of your life being impactful on a grand scale is quite unlikely. Getting your answers with all these um, political and scientific questions, um, is there, were you or are you at any point in your life practice, religious practicing? Kinda, I was raised as a Roman Catholic. I would say around eighth grade, I considered, considered myself atheist. And then within the following few years, I would say I consider myself agnostic now, or um, this other term called uh, eatism, I-E-T-S-I-S-M. For our viewers, just so everyone's cleared up, do you want to define all those terms just so? Yeah, I haven't heard of that second one either. Yeah, I did clear it up for no, me. No, it's a, not a very clear term or common term. So basically, atheism is the definite belief of there not being a god or higher power. Um, and then agnosticism is not believing in a higher power or a god, but acknowledging the possibility. Eatism, basically the belief in a higher power, but you don't necessarily know what it is. And the way that I kind of like to think about it is fate. Things kind of just turn out the way that the universe makes it happen. And this higher power isn't necessarily, at least in my belief, conscious. I know people in like the most common religions in the world speak about God or some kind of higher power being conscious. For me, I think there's some kind of higher power that I, I can't really explain. And it just makes things happen, but not voluntarily. Going back to your uh, comments about one life not necessarily having the greatest chance of having an impact. You think that's the right way to like approach it? That He's not telling you that you don't matter, Louis. <laughs> He's saying statistically you're insignificant, which is different. Going off of what Joan just said, like I don't know how much longer humanity is expected to survive. Like the time that humanity has been around in the grand scheme of just the creation of the earth and then the universe itself were not even a drop in an ocean and they used the like the clock analogy where if like the 24 hours was the humans we'd be at like 1159 something yep. seconds yeah basically like that yeah not to discourage you from doing anything in the world people in general just live self-centered um not in a bad way necessarily but like we live self-centered because we're living our own lives within our own consciousness it shouldn't really deter you from like trying to do something if you have like a goal in life or whatever but life is like what you make it to be it's to live your life to the fullest even though in the grand scheme it doesn't really matter now <laughs> even with that the the society in which we have made we have developed the term um of consequence so even though long game it won't matter like right now it still kind of matters so don't do anything stupid but do what you want YOLO, you only live once. There was a sign in the Old Orchard Health Room from Miss, do you, do you remember Miss Doan? Was she the health teacher at JP? Yep. Okay, so there was a sign that I always had an argument with her about. It said, you only live once, wrong. You live every day. You only die once. And I, I that poster made me so mad because you live living every day is still one life. And yeah. yes, you live once, you die once. But she was like, no. I, I'm with you on that, Jimmy. 
Yeah. Nope, I'm with you as well. (laughs) (laughs) JP. What's up? Since March 2020, we have been in the COVID-19 global pandemic era. Yep. We have all been getting through this in our own fashion, our own ways. What are some elements in your life that are helping you get through the COVID-19 pandemic and quarantine life? Now we're back to our regular style of interview. Um, Honestly, I think I'm kind of adjusted to it now. I don't know how you guys feel personally. I feel like this is the normal now. So I go to work with my mask, go to school with my mask, uh, have my stupid online classes. I guess the way that I think about it right now is like, it is what it is. And I'm kind of just used to it already. But at the same time, it's just frustrating, at least in America, because as far as I know, we're like one of the countries to be handling it the worst. Oh, yeah. And for a country that touts itself to be like so ahead of the rest of the world, we've handled the pandemic terribly. This has to do with our lack of presidential leadership. And then I feel like a problem in America, we have this certain kind of individualism. Individualism in itself, I don't think is innately bad people are so i guess narcissistic in their own way in america but you always hear like the anti-maskers saying oh you're taking away my freedoms blah 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 or how you have like privileged white college students who go out and party when the semester started i would like drive around to go get groceries or whatever but like at nighttime i would see people lined up at a bar and that kind of just speaks to this individualistic culture in America that kind of has gone too far. So many Americans don't have a sense of like collective identity, like what I'm doing affects what you experience in your life. I don't know about you, JP, but like, I think that's a symptom of the way we're like economically brought up in like such a hyper-capitalist culture. We're just trying to improve our own lot. We don't have a sense of how can we improve our entire lot of humanity and if we weren't so focused on improving our own lot ourselves i think we'd have a shot at improving the lives of the poorest among us i feel like something that kind of gets overlooked not to say that all of it's bad and stuff but there's like a bunch of bullshit self-motivation stuff um where people say like wake up at five every day read book uh invest in whatever um and it's just super unrealistic Um, Like people say, oh, yeah, you shouldn't be poor in America. Just work 70 hours a week. Yeah, you won't be poor necessarily, but you shouldn't have to sacrifice your dignity and your humanity just to live comfortably. And I think that's like a huge trap in American culture. I guess it's similar to the American dream where you can just like pick yourself up from your bootstraps and get to what's considered successful in America, which is monetary success. You're talking about like this hyper-capitalistic society is that's what america is and unfortunately people have been fed propaganda against communism or socialism for so much um with like the red scare way back when people don't even know what socialism means or what communism means like if you ask like some conservative what socialism is chances are they'd say some stupid stuff like when the government takes away your rights or whatever but that's not what socialism is and the fact that people or the government has like fed lies to us for so long and this includes within our educational textbooks as well it's just really hard to make any progress away from this hyper-capitalistic society 
that clearly most people aren't happy with. And I think we've got so many people not happy with it and don't know they're not happy with it. And their anger is being so misdirected towards it's the immigrants, it's uh, black people, it's this race, it's that race. But like their anger is so misdirected that it can't be directed toward the proper enemy, which is the rich and billionaires. The way that I see things happening in America is that conservatives tend to blame minority groups and uh, then liberals tend to blame conservatives and then they just end up bickering over whatever problem it is. And then people that are leftists, such as myself, we never get the chance to actually have our ideas heard on a like more public governmental level, which prohibits us from making any kind of social justice progress, um, socioeconomic progress, etc. Louis and I would like to thank you again and again for joining us today. And it was so cool that we have talked to you because I personally, at least, have never gotten this chance for nearly this long to talk to you. It's always been, you know, seeing you for like two hours and then you're gone again. And then I see you in six months. But before we set you free, if you would like to take this opportunity, we open the floor for you to ask us any questions if you would like. I think I have a pretty good scope of what Louis thinks about the current political climate. I would like to hear Jonah's takes Mm. on the world right now. World politics, U.S. politics, whatever. I just think right now I am more hopeful than I have been. I am looking forward to see where we go. I believe in positive change in the future. It's not going to be instantaneous and it's not going to be quick, but I am ready to move forward from these past four years in short. Can I I get Louis kind of take on this? I think short term, you know, obviously I'll I'll second Jonah on, you know, feeling more hopeful than I was. Obviously, I was glad to see that Joe Biden pulled this one out uh, because another four years of Donald Trump, I fear that would have cost our democracy, its very existence. I settled for Joe Biden pretty hard. I don't really like his policies at all. He's a good guy, but I don't think his politics and his record fits this moment perfectly at all, which is why I wanted Bernie Sanders, Mm -hmm. uh, as many people know. And I think going forward, we need to push him hard And I think we need to push the Democratic Party leftward because right now uh, you've got a lot of young progressive people who have a very big desire for change, fundamental structural change. And in police reform, in climate, in uh, economics, and we need to make sure we push Joe Biden as leftward as we can while also thinking about how uh, we can nominate someone that's more leftward than him in 2024 and elect people that are more leftward than him in 2022. I think going forward, we need to make sure we find common ground where we can, but really beware of compromising away our ideals because Democrats in the past have just compromised way too much away in favor of what they thought was going to be electoral gain, but turned out to actually sacrifice 
a lot of working class voters over to the Republican Party. I think what we need to do is come back to our working class progressive roots and put together the fractured New Deal coalition. Clinton, I think, really did a number on us in passing really bad policies, especially with mass incarceration and uh, the welfare reform bill, which really cost a lot. And so I want us to really go in a different direction and listen to the young progressives that are calling for change instead of the corporate elite that's been in control of the party for so long. So yeah, it's a long answer, but that's where I That was a good answer. Thanks, Louie. Yeah. We usually end this by saying, dear FBI agent, and then something. And in complete honesty, I have no idea what to say. We could say, dear FBI agent, we are all statistically insignificant. Yeah. But still important. <laughs> but still important. I can back that, that up. true. That's cool. I like that one. Okay. That's going to be a mouthful. All right. Ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> one, two, ready, go. Dear FBI, FBI agent, agent. <laughs> we are statistically we are insignificant, statistically but still insignificant, important. But still important. But still important. But still important. Thanks for coming, JP. Good to talk to you guys, too. There we go. Another podcast in the books. And there won't be too many more of these. Louis and I have decided that two seasons is the full course, the full run of Dear FBI Agent and the era that will be. If you want to be on these last couple episodes, not all of them are planned yet, of course. Uh, feel free to reach out to us if you want to be a part of it. We would love to have you guys because this is, you know, a shared experience and this journey, this time, you know, we were going to remember it for the rest of our lives. So at least this part can be a, you know, that light in the darkness, the little hint of fruit in your vegetable salad. You know, they got the ones with like the oranges and it makes it better because it's not just lettuce and onions. I don't know, add some color. I don't know. You know what I mean? Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Music, take us home. Thank you.